Hey friends, this is Jeff and Gary Rayburn. I got my partner alongside of me. Hi, my name is Fred Mooney. I'm excited to be here on the Channel 21 conference line. Yeah, we've got a program tonight that we recorded on our conference line, and we're going to invite you to come join us every week on Thursday nights on our conference line, and you can hear messages like this one that you're going to listen to on tonight's program. What time does it start, Gary? Well, let's see. If we're East Coast, it'll be 6 p.m. on Thursday nights. Central time, where we're located, it's 5 p.m. Rocky Mountain time is 4 p.m. What about that West Coast out there? You mean California, eh? Yeah. That'd be 3 p.m. Yeah, we've got a couple of great chaplains out there in California, and they tune in at 3 p.m. every Thursday and join us right here on our conference line. Now, what's that phone number? The phone number is 727-731-5062. That is 727-731-5062. Thursday nights at 6 p.m. and no access code needed. So you're invited to join us each week right here on Channel 21 Ministries conference line. up I'm driving when the sun goes down the hum of 18 wheels Lord that's a lonely sound I spend all day chasing that old white line I've been on the road so long I've lost track of time now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever till the day I gotta see I gotta look around I got diesel smoke rolling From two crumb stacks My address is 408-414 A big blue Mac Now it don't matter where I'm going I just gotta drive I have the white line fever to the day that I die I said hey My life, Fred Mooney, it's your life, and it's also our speaker's life, Richie Turnbow. He's got one of those uh, jobs where he gets home every night. Every night? Yeah, that's that's a good truck driving job there. I if, believe God's blessed that man. He is blessed and highly favored, and what a preacher he is. We use him every month on our conference line. He brings a message to the chaplains out there. Very powerful preacher. He is, and uh, Richie got saved back way back in 2012, I believe, uh-huh. listening to one of our CDs. 
Wasn't that something? Yeah, he pulled old, pulled alongside the road and give his life to Christ. And since that time, he's been to seminary. He's pastored a church, and he is uh, one of our senior chaplains here at Channel 21 Ministry. I can't wait to hear the message got for us today. All right. Here is Pastor Richie Turnbow. All right. Thank you, Gary, and thank you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again for this opportunity uh, to uh, step into God's house for just a moment as we gather together. Anytime you know we, when, when we gather together, one mind and one accord like this, we, we are stepping into God's house. So thank you for this opportunity to speak. I want to, um, I didn't announce this as such, but the last two previous messages that I was giving you guys was part of a series that I want to finish up tonight. Um, and it's, it's, it's to encourage and to build up our Christian brothers and sisters. Uh, we, we were coming weak, and we're, we're, we're coming where we're pushed around too easily, and we're not standing firm on our feet as we used to do, as our forefathers used to do. So the first message that I spoke was knowing where your strength comes from and preparing for the fight, to armor up in the Word of God. And number two, we talked about when the heat's turned up. We talked exclusively about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and what they went through, but they did not yield to the king, the Nebuchadnezzar spirit that, it, that runs even rampant today that wants to bow our knee to his image and what he thinks is best for us. So tonight, I want to finish up this series with the title, The Pathway to Power. The Pathway to Power. Now, I understand that God is doing wonderful things in your life. God is doing wonderful things in my life. But there is so much more that we need to know and understand. I will be referencing tonight from the book of John, chapter 14, and we will begin in the 15th verse. So if we have some reference for the reading of the word, as we begin in verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world could not receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeketh me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself unto him. Now, chaplains, the Lord is beginning to introduce to his disciples and to his followers and the, the Holy Spirit and his work, in which he refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth and the comforter. Now, we know why he is telling them to expect someone to continue to lead them and to bring them the comfort that he at the time was given to every believer and to every adherent and every disciple that was following after him. He said in one passage that it was expedient, it was necessary for him to go away, so that he could send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God. Now we all know and realize why Jesus had to go away. And I'm sure that the disciples, if they could have voted on it, they would have voted for him to stay and to continue to walk with them and teach them and lead them and guide them as he was doing, in other words, setting the example. But in order for him to accomplish the complete will of God, the Father, so that every believer could be endued with power from on high, it was necessary for Jesus to go away. You see, there is a particular role that Jesus has to play for us in that he is ever interceding for us, we have an advocate or a lawyer with the Father, somebody that represents us in the very throne room of God. Now, chaplains, that excites me because he is doing something for me and he is doing something for you that we cannot do for ourselves. 
It's only through him and only through his perfect blood that we have access to God. There is no other way to the Father but by him, and he has made that way. And not only is he the way, he's at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. In other words, he is there representing us in heaven until we get there to represent ourselves. So on our behalf, every time we stumble and fall, when we make a mistake, when we hurt the heart of God, when we disappoint the Father, when there's a problem in our lives, if we make an error in judgment, we have someone not making excuses but reminding the Father that he has already paid the price for the penalty of sin that we have committed. And Jesus will petition the Father to help us get back on our feet and back on the pathway and back on the road of righteousness to keep on keeping on on our journey upward toward heaven, our eternal home. So we need the help of the Comforter. Jesus made the promise of sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, to abide not only with us, but in us. The Spirit of truth that will continue to reveal Jesus Christ and all that he came to do and all that he was and all that he is and all that we will be in him. Now let me ask a question. How many of us, for living for Christ on your Christian journey that you know more today than you did when you first converted. Hmm? The reason that you do is because the Holy Spirit continues to reveal more and more to you. And the level of light that you are walking in is ever increasing. And you're becoming more and more and more like Jesus because more and more and more of the old self is being peeled off and we are laying aside every weight and every sin that would so easily beset us. So we are constantly changing into the image of Christ Jesus. And we know that he is there representing us, helping us through every mistake, through every trial of our faith, with all encouragement, meeting every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, chaplains, isn't that wonderful? And he told his disciples on Resurrection Day that they needed the Holy Spirit. Read with me in John chapter 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now how many of us knows that it is the Father's will that we receive the Holy Ghost for every believer? That it is most important that we be endued with power from on high. It was a very important thing. For on the first day, the resurrection day, Jesus made it quite clear. And then on ascension day, as he's getting ready to leave this earth and going back to his rightful place on the right hand of the throne of the Father in power to intercede for you and I, here is what he told those that were assembled. Go with me in Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And in verse 8 it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and all the uttermost parts of the earth. Now look at these first five words but ye shall receive a power. Dunamis is the word used here for power. It's where we get the word dynamo or dynamite or explosive power. Power to overcome the wiles of the devil. Or better yet, chaplains, the power to blow up the devil. Just like when old Wiley Coyote tried to blow up the roadrunner. The power of the dynamite always exploded on the coyote instead. But instead of the dynamite coming from the Acme Company, this power is coming from on high. 
And that is what we are talking about this evening. I have taken this much time to introduce to you the theme of tonight's message. And that is the pathway to power. Now thank God for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that comes when we are born again. For we couldn't come to Jesus unless the Spirit of God draws us. And we couldn't live for him unless the Holy Spirit abides in us. Because he's the one who reveals who Christ is and leads us into the light of God. But there is a subsequent experience that is on God's agenda for every believer. And that is to be endued with power. To be clothed and wrapped up in the dunamis power from on high. To be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And that is a different experience altogether, chapter. Now, the ones called Pentecostals believe that it's a subsequent experience after the new birth. But some folks get baptized in the Holy Ghost the same day they get born again. For some, it might take weeks or months or even years later. But I believe it's when the plan of God that as soon as possible for us to go on into that experience of power. It is a very important thing for us. And I'm going to prove that in scriptures in just a few moments. But on Ascension Day... He reminded them again that they needed the power of the Holy Ghost. And you will understand more and more as you go on with this newborn church that happened in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 as the Holy Spirit blew in like a mighty rushing wind. And they were filled all the house that they were sitting, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some 120 believers, not 12 apostles. 120 believers were baptized in the Holy Ghost and began to speak in a language they did not previously know. And it wasn't just the fact that they were able to speak in a language they had not learned. It was also the anointing of the Spirit that was upon them. The Bible speaks of them as a cloven tongue of fire set upon each and every one of them. In other words, they were burning with the power of God in their lives. And it became... And it was because of the series of events that took place at the initiation of the church. You see, Jerusalem was just coming undone. The city was coming apart at the seams. They didn't know what they were witnessing. In fact, their first estimation that they were all just drunk. Go with me in Acts chapter 2. And they were all amazed. And they were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known to you this day, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing is but the third hour of the day. In other words, just nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my, of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Now, chaplains, it was evident that they were acting strange if they were accused of being drunk. Now, I know years ago that they would point to the Pentecostal realm as being holy rollers. And some did back in the day. And not that that's a prerequisite for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but some would just receive it that way. We don't all respond the same way. Some people are emotional. Some are reserved. Some are so full of pride they're neither. They're just like a stick in the mud and they do nothing. But did you know God still loves us all? And I don't know that there's any prerequisite other than just yielding to the Lord to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And what I'm going to be preaching about in this pathway to power is mostly the effects that the children of God needs to hear. You understand? The effects that the chaplains of this ministry needs to experience. You see, you've got a lot of unchurched people that are hanging around you all the time. And, and we're going into the highways and the hedges, and, and we're compelling them to come to Christ. But we're not telling them they have to look like us. They don't have to imitate our motions or methods or speak Christianese. We just want them to come in and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and his saving blood and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. 
We can't save anyone. The Holy Spirit can draw them to Jesus who can save them. Now, I'm glad to say that I have watched many of the fundamental denominations accept the fact that spirit baptism and speaking in other tongues is just as real as salvation. And in 2013, I was invited to help minister at a Baptist church in Huntsville, Alabama. And I was reminded by my former pastor that this was a Baptist church, and they don't preach and operate as we do, and to be mindful of their beliefs. But after we got there, if you had not read the sign in the front, you would have not known it was Baptist because they were hungry for the power of God. And let me tell you, around the altar, it was a true experience because people were getting healed and filled by the power of God. And after a while, guys, I, I forgot where I was. <laughs> you see, Baptist folks were falling out in the power of God. Baptist folks were speaking with new tongues. Baptist folks were being indwelled with the Holy Ghost. And Baptist folks who realize that there's power in the blood, there's power in the Christian walk, and there's power in the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous, and power to reach out by faith and to take those things of God that has been prepared for those that love Him. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't care if you're Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist or whatever. The Holy Spirit doesn't look at the sign at your door. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of God, and he wants to draw believers into an experience of power so that people can demonstrate the reality of God in the lives of people today. So I want to take you past the experience of Pentecost of Acts chapter 2. And let's go to Acts chapter 8 and see what happened in the lives of believers. We find in chapter 8, verse 5, a man by the name of Philip, which we're going to label as one of the church's first evangelists. He went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ. Now you might want to know, why did he preach Christ? Because they didn't have a Bible back then. They had the law, but they didn't have the canon of scriptures of the New Testament that we have today. So what did they preach? They preached what they knew, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. They were not preaching from what they had read in a book. They weren't preaching from what someone had told them. They were preaching from what they had experienced. And this man, Philip, had experienced salvation by the blood of Jesus of Nazareth, by faith, not of works, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues with signs and wonders following his faith. That's he was preaching. Read with me in Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Oh, isn't it fun to go to a church that's happy isn't it fun to be around Christian folks that's happy and joyful? And they don't come together or go to church strictly out of habit or come to worship God half-hearted or afraid to show their emotion when it comes to worship, who are filled with joy with a smile on their face, knowing that God can break every chain in their life and that there's no barrier that can hinder him from pouring out his blessings that there's no mountain he can't crush under his feet, that death itself has to bow its knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see Christians who come to church with a testimony in their heart because they know that Jesus Christ is more than just a Sunday school lesson. Jesus Christ is not a religion. Jesus Christ is a reality. He is more than just someone else's testimony. He is a personal Savior that has removed the chains of sin, that has taken them out of the miry clay and placed their feet on a solid rock and has changed their destiny from hell to heaven. Glory to God, and they're happy about it. Now, I would have loved to hear what the, the evangelist Philip was preaching. And not only did he preach the truth, but he demonstrated the truth by the power of God. And if you really want to see joy <laughs> come into a believer, then introduce the miracle working power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's why all those Baptists had gathered around Huntsville and had come to that meeting. 
because they had heard of the miracle-working power of God. And in that meeting, they brought a six-year-old boy up to the altar to be prayed over because he had a hole in his right eardrum and needed surgery. He was suffering in his school academics because he could not hear well. Matter of fact, he had lost more than 70% of his hearing. Now at six years old, he didn't know much, but he knew he needed help. And crying, he sat there as we all prayed, God's healing over him, anointing him with oil. And chaplains, may I tell you, the following week when it was time for surgery, the surgeon evaluated his ear through the MRI scans and found that this little boy had a perfect eardrum. So not only did he not need surgery, but his grades excelled in the months to come. Chaplains, let me, let me tell you, God can make a difference when he shows up with wonder-working power. You see, you don't know who you are sitting next to everywhere you go. You don't know about those people. They might walk right up beside you with a smile on their face, but they could have the burden of the world on their shoulders. They may have a smile on their face, but it's just superficial because deep down in their lives they could be hurting and crying and, and, and feel like they're totally destroyed and their lives are just falling apart. But can I tell you the miracle worker is near and present and God desires to pour out his Holy Spirit on all his children. So that signs and wonders, just like Philip demonstrated, can happen in our lives today. And when it happens, there is a breakout of joy. Joy. And the Bible says that there was great joy in that city. So we see that after preaching Christ and the outbreak of joy, then he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So there is a pathway, there is an agenda that is set forth in the New Testament scriptures shown in the life of Philip that demonstrates or points to that path for the church, God's people moving into that power, dunamis power, power to blow things up. So Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ. There was great joy in the city. They received the Holy Spirit, and power was demonstrated in the lives of people. This is the sequence of events that leads people to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the three things that I want us to notice this evening. Preaching Christ, great joy, and receiving the Holy Spirit of God. Very quickly, I'm going to move into this. Very quickly. The initial point. The very beginning, the first base, I should say, is to preach Christ. Nothing happens in the kingdom of God without Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father but by me. We need to reemphasize the need to preach Christ. Now, I'm sad to say that there are many pulpits across this nation. Now, I can't speak for the rest of the world. But this nation in many pulpits has forsaken preaching the gospel of Christ, and we have gone into preaching several other things and not Christ. Now, you know, and I know, there are some out there who are more interested in preaching how you can be a better you. But let me remind you, the best you and the best me that I can ever get to is still filthy rags in the sight of Almighty God. And what I need to know, is not how to be a better me. Because this old man, this old flesh needs to be dead. What I need to know is the fact that God can take a sinner, one that's up to his chin in the miry clay, with no hope and no help, with no future and with no promise, and take me out of the miry clay and plant my feet on a solid ground and redeem my life and to make my steps and to put me on a solid foundation and to change my direction from hell to heaven and to march me out of darkness into his marvelous light and change my eternal destination. I don't want to know how to be the best me. I want to know how to be like Jesus. That's my purpose, chaplains. That's my goal, to be more like Jesus. We need to preach Christ. There's no other way. You see, this is our greatest defense to defeat this last campaign of other religions that are reaching for the minds of this nation. It's a sad event to go into a college campus where you begin to feel the spirit of Antichrist everywhere. 
The latest stats that I have recently uncovered is that Islam has grown by 109% in this nation. Buddhism has grown by 170%. Hinduism has grown by 37%. The Baha'i religion has grown over 100%. The New Age movement has grown 240%. Humanism has grown by 87%. And Christianity has grown only by 4%. Because the non-Christian religions are outpacing the growth of Christianity, did you know that we are standing at the threshold of a heathen nation? Let me remind you what we just read in Acts chapter 8. Now let, let us hear what happened before Philip went down to Samaria preaching Christ. The Bible said that that city was messed up. The Bible said that that city was tore up. It was under the influence of, of, or the grip of one called Simon. And he had them bewitched. I'm talking about Simon the sorcerer. Simon the soothsayer. Simon the palm reader. Uh, Simon the charmer. We have lots of words for him today. Simon the wizard. Simon the crystal ball gazer. Simon the psychic. Simon the tarot card reader. Did you know this nation is under the influence of people just like Simon? People who think that they are spiritual. They're spiritual all right, but they're following the wrong spirit. Acts chapter 8 verse 9 says, But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Listen to me, this nation has become bewitched, thinking that they are all right spiritually. But when Philip preached Christ, he broke the spell that bewitched the whole city of Samaria, preaching Christ the Messiah, preaching Christ the Anointed One. He preached Christ the Redeemer. He preached Christ the Savior. He preached Christ the way, the truth, and the life. Christ the healer. Christ the wonder worker. Christ the miracle man. He preached Christ the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And may I remind you, chaplains, in Acts chapter 8, that the spell that Simon had on that city was broken at the name of Jesus. <laughs> so let me announce to you tonight that same power of preaching Christ will work in this society. It will work in this culture. It will work right here in America. It will work in whatever city that you live in. When you preach Christ, it breaks the spell, and it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. There might be chemical addictions. There might be uh, addictions to alcohol or marijuana or tobacco or, or depression or illicit drugs or life-controlling habits or, or worry or anxiety. Whatever that has bewitched you, when you hear the liberating message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that his name is above every other name, it will set you free, and he who the Son of God sets free is free indeed. So it doesn't matter what, what has bewitched you. Jesus can break the spell. It's like that old song, he's the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. My God, that's who you are. You see, stuff can be just be messed up all around you. And you can see so much trouble around you. But when you get a hold of the message that Jesus saves, <laughs> it makes all the difference, chaplains. It makes all the difference just knowing that Jesus saves. So we need to preach Christ from our pulpits. We need to preach Christ from our Sunday school rooms. We need to preach Christ in our conversations. Preach Christ in our homes. 
And with the life that we lead, we need to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's the only truth left in a world of lies. Preaching Christ is the answer for the whole man. Now we know that Jesus is the answer for the soul. But let me remind you in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of his peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And like, all, like sheep, we have all gone astray. We have turned every one in his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, guys, when you preach Christ, when you are preaching the Lord our physician, you're preaching the Lord is our healer. And you're preaching the Lord is our Savior. He's our Deliverer. The Lord our Burden Bearer. He's everything to us. Can you say amen? So when Philip preached Christ, though the city was previously under the spell of Simon the Sorcerer, people heard the message that Jesus saves, and the message was that the spellbreaker is here. Jesus is here to set you free. So let us get people to Jesus, chaplains. Let us get people to Christ in everything that we do. Well, Pastor Richard, how do you know that it will work? Well, someone told you, right? Someone told you the great message of Jesus, right? Tell someone about Jesus now. The hour is coming when no man can work. Now is the time, chaplain. And point two. And then there was great joy. Now, guys, I have concluded the result of preaching Jesus is great joy. Joy, joy, joy. Now, I know some of you are happy. You just haven't let your face show it yet. You were attracted to the message of Christ because the world had done a number on you. You see, sin had to start, begun to uh, destroy your life and started to rip you apart. And desperation drove you to seek for an answer. And that answer is in a name. Guys, I said that answer is in a name. Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him, that, and had given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and 12, there neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. You see, that name is Jesus. He is the Christ, the very Son of God. And may I tell you guys tonight that heaven and earth is moved when we invoke the name of Jesus. He always was. He always is. He always will be. He's unmoved. He's unchanged. He's undefeated. And he's never undone. He is light. He is love. He is Lord. He's our Redeemer. He's our Savior. He is goodness. He is kindness. He is holy. And he is God. And his name is Jesus. And we come together tonight to worship him in spirit and truth. And you see, when he is preached... And when he is received, there is great joy. You see, I knew some people before Christ came in, and sin had worn them out. Huh? And listen, and from, from a pulpit, they heard the message that Jesus saves. And, and though they gripped the back of their seat until their knuckles turned white, thank God the Holy Spirit arrested their heart and brought them to their own will to an altar of repentance. Listen, and they either stood or knelt and accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they realized that Jesus was the answer they were looking for all along. Listen, you believed it when a pulpit began to preach the words of Jesus when he said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest into your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Chaplains, at a very altar, it was proven true in your life, regardless of how far in sin you was. Thank God the long arm of the Lord reached down into the miry clay and set your feet on a solid rock, and he pulled you out from the guttermost to the uttermost. 
And with his precious blood, he covered you and saved you from the fiery pits of hell. And all of a sudden, your sadness turned into joy, great joy. <laughs> you see, you came up there with, a, with tears streaming down your face, carrying the burden of the world on your shoulder. But after you left an altar, you left with a smile on your face. And great joy came over you because everything had changed. And you didn't need someone to tell you how to act. You were able to express your emotions of praise to the Lord for saving your eternal soul. Amen? And last of all, last point, that joy would lead you to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Great joy precedes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's one thing about it. Listen to me. You're not going to receive the baptism moaning and groaning. I have prayed for a lot of people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you from experience, if they come down the aisle with their head hung low and crying, and they get up into the prayer line or all somber, let me tell you, more than likely they're not going to receive a thing. That's how they came to get saved. Sad and crying. Don't you remember how you came? You wasn't on top of the world. You needed something, and you couldn't find it anywhere else but at the altar of repentance where you found Jesus. But when you come for that gift, and how many of us knows that it's a gift that Jesus offers every believer, the gift of God, the gift of dunamis power, the power that will blow up the devil in your life, those things that will keep holding on to you, those things that will drag you down even though you have given your life to Christ there are things the devil will use against you to tempt you that only the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost can ever overcome hmm? Isaiah 12 says this behold God is my salvation I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song he also has become my salvation Therefore, with great joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. So God gives you joy. Joy, chaplains. Joy is that pathway to power. Joy is that path to the Holy Ghost, that, 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 that path that leads others to Christ. Now listen, turn with me to Romans chapter 14, verse 17. I want to show you something here. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. So after preaching Christ, Samaritan was set free and great joy was upon them. And then Peter and John knew what the next step was. The Bible states in Acts chapter 8, following up the preaching of Christ and the joy of salvation, the Bible says this, now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaritan had received the word of God, they had sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet it was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe this message of joy, and I believe this message of power, it is absolutely vital, and it will always be preached from those who love the Lord. And not only preached, but we have, listen, we have the opportunity to experience the power of God through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So that we can do what was done in the New Testament by the apostles and the early evangelists as well as the deacons. They were demonstrating the power of God everywhere they went. But they were able to do so because they had been endued with power from on high. Let me remind you of Peter and John as they went to the temple at the hour of prayer. I want you to estimate how many times they had already passed by the lame man. Hmm? For he was there every day at the same place at the same time. When all the believers in Jerusalem would go into the temple at the hour of prayer, how many times had Peter and John passed by this lame man? But on this special day, after they had both received the baptism of the Holy Ghost at that day of Pentecost, the lame man was asking alms from everyone that was passing by. And suddenly, that empowering inspiration of the Holy Ghost quickened them, and they spoke and said, 
silver and gold have we none. But what we have, we will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So right then and right there at the gate called Beautiful, they began to demonstrate the power of God because they had been filled with the power of God. And they were ready to initiate the process in someone else's life. Did you know that's why God empowers us with the Holy Spirit? So that we can help someone else find that same power? You see, I'm still talking about the power to blow up the devil in your life that has a grip hold on you. The Bible admonishes us to set aside every weight of sin that will so easily beset us. And there is one sure way to do that. And that is to invite the gift of God the Holy Spirit, to infill your life with dunamis power so that everything that is clinging on to you from the old life will be blown away and blown asunder. And the new life of Jesus Christ will flood your eternal soul. Listen, guys, I'm going to close. The Bible says if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I want everyone walking in the Spirit and not disappointing the heart of God. And the sure way to do that is is to walk in the Spirit. Guys, the pathway to power. Preach Christ. Great joy of salvation. Receive the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak tonight. Father, I thank you for the time that I could lean into your word and let your Holy Spirit guide me into all truths. Father, I'm still praying for these ministries as I do every day. Father, I'm praying that you will uh, equip us and enable us and strengthen us, Lord, and, and, and let your Bible, Lord God, your word be our, uh, our sword of strength, Lord God, that we can work for your kingdom. Father, I'm asking that you be with these ministries to empower us, to join us together, and to reach places not only through these cities and through this country, but all across the world, Lord God, that we can preach your message with boldness, with kindness, with love, that all could hear the saving truth of your word. Father, I pray again that you be with these ministries. Father, I thank you again, and I hope and pray, Lord God, that you get the blessing upon the reading of your word this evening. And, Father, I pray all these things in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. I will walk with you when you fall, I'll pick you up. When your heart is torn, I'll send my spirit to give you love. No one can hear you cry. I will wipe away your tears, trade you one broken life for one perfect Savior. One perfect Savior. When you can't go on, I'll be singing over you. When you feel betrayed, I will come and comfort you. When the noises of this world are drowning out the truth, I'll treat one broken life, one perfect Savior. One perfect Savior. One broken life for one perfect save.
That's a great song by Dave Wall, One Perfect Savior. And that's what we have, One Perfect Savior. He uh, he was willing to go to the cross for my sins. And what a great message by Pastor Richie Turnbow. I'll tell you, drivers, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him into your heart, today is the day of your salvation. It's just as easy as A, B, C. Amen, believe, and confess Him as your Lord. Amen, amen. And you can do that today, friend. All you got to do is confess with your mouth and believe it in your heart, and you shall be saved, the Bible says. I remember Ray Sisk, uh, he had a 13-word prayer. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want to be a Christian. It is the commitment of the heart it's what's really important here. And if you believe that 13-word prayer, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you shall be saved. Amen. Amen. So, friends, pray a simple little prayer with us right now. Just pray, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and save me. And if you'll pray that and mean it with your heart, then God will save you right now. Here's another song by Dave Wall I know you're going to enjoy. What a great singer he is. There's a fire in my soul I can't put out When I think about Jesus I just want to sing and shout He took my soul Baby 
Well, Fred, I like to close all of our programs with my testimony in song. At the foot of the tree. God gave me the lyrics to this, and I just started writing my testimony out. I had a songwriting partner that helped me with this, Tom Caldwell. He's a truck driver from Jasper, Alabama. And uh, I got my neighbor, James Caban, to help put this to music. He had a studio in his home, and we recorded that. And we used that uh, for years. We used his recording, and then Dennis McKay recorded it out of his studio, put it on Lonesome Road, Volume 1. And we've been using this version uh, for the last million or so. (laughs) What a great job Dennis did with this song. Yeah, At the Foot of the Tree. My testimony in song. Lost without hope Eighteen wheels of lonesome At the end of the road In my hand was a track The preacher had read His words still echoing In the back of my head I felt so ashamed When I thought of my past I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those eighteen wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past But I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken-hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus Foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree 